Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. So, Marty, I think there's a pretty good chance that our listeners are out there going, oh, wow, I have a lot of cultural messages in my head and Mm -hmm. it's not that easy to access the voice of my true nature. Yes. And I don't know, they might be thinking, is there anything else that I could do other than listening to this podcast to help me learn to listen to my heart? Well, I had this question, even as a young child, I would say, I am not happy. And people would say, well, it's all in your head. And I'd be like, I know, get it out of my head. But nobody could really help me do that. And so um, in my 20s, I sort of made up a system to help me detach from cultural messages and connect with my true nature. And it ended up being my career as a life coach and then training people to do the same thing. And I think that, you know, it's just like people who feel the urge to heal themselves, heal, help others heal and heal the world, mm. that this this term life coach sort of slots into that in our culture. And yeah. people take the training to hang out a shingle and become life coaches. People take the training because it's like getting life coaching yeah you know and people also take the training just to learn to access their own true nature yeah it was originally just a access your own true nature course Mm -hmm. but when you've mastered that you really want to share it with other people and people want to be shared with and they will pay you money so if that's the way you want to go that's why it ended up being life coach training but it's actually wayfinder which is different. It's about finding your way by connecting with your true nature and and steering your own course. So if people are interested, you can Google Wayfinder Life Coach Training or go to MarthaBeck.com and you will find your way. Yes, you will. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan. This is another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. I have been trying to figure it out of late by reading my future in tea leaves. And then Marty came in and brewed up a cup of her mysterious chaga tea and then boom, she had it figured out just like that. Well, yeah, because chaga is what makes you figure it out. It's a, it's a mushroom from Siberia. And I don't really know how to describe what I figured out, but I will tell you it is in Siberia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is under the snow. I think with those parameters, it should be simple for anyone to figure well, it all out. Especially as Siberia melts, it'll be more accessible to all of us. Oh, you just had to harsh my mellow, <laughs> didn't sorry, you? I'm sorry. I was on my chaga high and now I'm like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> seriously, what what are you really trying to figure out, Ro? So what I'm f- trying to figure out is how how to not tell our brilliant daughter that she is brilliant. Mm. And why would you do that? Funny you should ask. This is for why. Because in the current wisdom of parentingness, mm-hmm. what they have found is that if you, we do want to compliment her. We do compliment her. 
all the time. But what you want to do <laughs> is compliment the effort and the trying hard rather than complimenting the child for being inherently smart because what they say is, um, I tried to figure out where I read this and I couldn't find it, but they do say, I guarantee it, that if you tell a kid that they are smart, when things get difficult, they'll lose all sense of self because they're supposed to just be smart and just know how to do it. But if what they've learned is that trying more and more gets you there, then they won't have that crisis ahead of them. So that's fantastic. I'm so glad that you tried so hard to learn that. Thank you. (laughs) I did try really hard. Do you feel empowered just now? Very much so. But what has happened with Lila? So I read this. I love reading books about this sort of thing. And, oh, yeah, we have to do this. But what happens is we keep second-guessing ourselves and, like, panicking any time we compliment her, which led Marty the other day (laughs) to say, and I quote because I wrote it down, Lila did something and Marty goes, oh, my God, you're fabulous, and then immediately does her panic face and then goes, I'm not going to say why. <laughs> that was, I think this is in some middle ground where you just grow up completely demented and unsure of everything. Just so confused. Yeah. 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 So anyway, there you have it. Compliments. Well, we shall see how this is working, won't we? I guess so. What are you trying to figure out, Marty Moo? Well, what I'm trying to figure out, in all seriousness, is why I can't get ASMR to work for me. ASMR, eh? ASMR, it means Autonomous Sensory Median Response. And I didn't even know it had a name. I only knew that when I was in middle school, I had a geography teacher with a sonorous and mellow voice. And everything made you feel funny feelings? It did, but not the way you'd think. Um, every time I went into his class and he started to talk, I would feel this lovely tingly sensation. I said, sexation. (laughs) Oh my God. That's because I was looking at you with one eyebrow raised. (laughs) He was not attractive to me, but his voice caused a tingling in the back of my neck. Oh yeah. And I was a really good student in the other classes. I was, I was a total like horrible nerd student. And I would sit up eagerly looking at the teacher, but I would go into that class Put You'd my roll face on the ri- floor and go, oh. yes, I'd put my face right on the desk to begin with. I never even pretended to pay attention. I would just, and then he was starting to talk and I would just, just lie there on my desk going, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> only to find out late in the winter of my life that this is called ASMR, autonomous sensory media and response. And a lot of people have it. And they, they put things on the internet mm-hmm. that are meant to trigger it because it feels delicious. Yeah, I I know about this. Have you had it? I don't, I don't, I feel like I have the gland for it. Like just, <laughs> just a gland? <laughs> the gene, the gland, the, the propensity, but just a teeny tiny bit, enough to kind of sort of know what you're talking about, but mm. never. But, I, but yeah, I started hearing about this years ago because it's all... Like, and, and there's this funny fine line with it between is this a sexual thing or isn't it? And I know it's not, but it's always about someone speaking right yes. in your ear. And doing all the things they tell you not to with microphones, like, <laughs> and so our producer is just <laughs> losing <laughs> his mind. So I was like, oh my God, I could get my middle school neck tingles back. 
I'm totally <laughs> logging onto the internet. I'm going to do that. And it, there's just a ton of ASMR. And Sorry, then, I just have to say. What? Getting my middle school neck tingles back, <laughs> a memoir. <laughs> As opposed to naked tingles. Now, I really wanted this feeling back. So I went in and I was somewhat disturbed by the content because like, I guess the sound of somebody wrapping a package is a major trigger for a lot of people. You mean a positive trigger? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry. It, and they, they listed it as triggers, which is confusing because mostly triggers are bad, right? This is a trigger for something very good. <laughs> but then you go in and it's like, there's one woman who does, and I, kudos to her. She's amazing for many people. She does this whole gig where she pretends to be a very quiet um, package wrapping lady. And she says things like, come on in. I will wrap those packages for you twice, 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 twice. <laughs> and you keep, it's like so weird because it's like the beginning of a porn movie where it's like, come on in, I'm going to wrap some packages for you. And then, and then she just proceeds to wrap a package. Just wraps packages. And she's like, I'm going to wrap it once. Oh, they do it in a really high, sweet voice. I'm going to wrap it once for a present. And then again, I'll post it for you. And people, I guess people, I'm not even kidding. So I want this, and it, I listen to it, it does nothing for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. So at night, when everyone else is asleep, <laughs> I get my phone, I look up ASMR triggers, I lie down on my pillow, and right behind my neck, I put this my phone and it's so it do can you give me, really yes so it can give me asmr and i wait and the woman's wrapping packages like a weird soft porn lady and i'm like nothing flat beer it's like the <laughs> softest porn ever <laughs> <laughs> super soft porn Ooh, gooey porn <laughs> oh oh okay so then I'm, I'm like desperately searching the internet and there was one that pro it promised big things. The reviews were stellar. <laughs> and it, it worked for me one time. And let me tell you what it was. It's so funny. Talk about the line where we draw the line because it was an Australian. Uh-oh. Mm, there, right there. He's got my attention. But he's a he. So that mm, less attention. But no offense, Scott and all our male listeners. It's just, you know, on the pillow. So then he starts talking. <laughs> and he says things like, I'm to take you in your imagination to Bondi Beach. <laughs> beach, 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 beach. And I was like, oh, whoo, I'm feeling the ASMR. So then I, I fall asleep and he's, and then like three in the morning, I wake up and there's a man whispering in my ear, the sun is so warm at Bondi Beach. Welcome to Bondi Beach. And it, there's backpackers bloody everywhere. <laughs> Everyone's a pom over here at Bondi Beach. Ooh, I'm getting the tingles. <laughs> no, but like it worked one time. And then the second time when I woke up and didn't know what was going on, I was so frightened it totally ruined the effect. I just need, before we move on in any direction, mm. you to just clarify what you mean when you say it worked. I got the tingles. All up and down my neck and into my skull as well. Really? Oh, and it's the most delicious sensation. It's like a massage. Huh. Yeah. A very oh. G-rated massage. <laughs> I'm on time. 
<laughs> we'll be right back with more Bewildered. I have a little favour to ask. Would you consider giving us a little rate and review love on your favourite podcast player? It helps people find the podcast. It builds this beautiful community. Most of all, it helps us in our quest to bewilder the world. Thank you so much. Change, eh? Mm, it sure does keep happening. I feel like there's something that you, Martha Beck, have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it. Oh, by coincidence, now that you mention it, I have. It's called The Change Cycle. Mm. It's about four aspects of the whole process of change. And we've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change. And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right. You can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com slash change. As you know, Marty, and as our listeners know, this podcast is all about helping people from a state of bewilderment mm -hmm. into bewilderment which is our own true nature. Yeah. And so let's figure out what is culture and what is nature when it comes to letting ourselves off the hook. And what I think is interesting with this topic, Marty, maybe with all our topics, is that you can't sort of just say the culture, mm. even though we do, <laughs> because the truth is that it's always a different culture. You mm. know, every culture has hooks and, you know, it's to the extent that we believe the culture that we're stuck on the hook. Ah, right? that is such a good point. And it's funny how the social pressure can cause you to just pick up a hook you've never had before. Like when I was in Japan, where it is, it's so taboo to go into a house with your shoes on that burglars take their shoes off before they burgle a house and the police just go and take their shoes away and they can't go outside without <laughs> shoes because you just don't do it. What a brilliant system. Right? It's the perfect way to prevent burglary. But I came back from Japan to America and would try to walk into someone's house with my shoes on and freak out. I had yeah. to get that hook out. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had the same thing um, living in Thailand where it's incredibly rude to blow your nose in public. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before. but And so I got this, like, intense secrecy and, like, squirreliness <laughs> whenever I had to blow my nose, even when I was back in Australia. And I would, like, look around and sneak <laughs> off with a tissue to do secret things in, in oh, corners. Oh, you naughty woman. <laughs> and I had, I had the opposite when I went off to college. I won't say where. Um, no yeah. need. Listen to any episode, you'll hear it. But I was 17. I'd grown up Mormon, no coffee, no alcohol, and those hooks were in there. So the first time someone offered to buy me a cup of coffee, I literally turned and ran away. I was terrified <laughs> that someone would force me to drink coffee, and the hook was still hard in my mouth. And it's interesting because you went like from the Mormon capital of the world to the college life is basically all about coffee and alcohol. Coffee and alcohol, yeah. It That's was, the culture. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, we were thinking about like, okay, so what cultures are there, family cultures and, and national cultures and all of that sort of thing. And I was thinking about, so what can I, what is it hard to let myself off the hook for ah. in my family? And I was thinking, you know, one of the things that we value a lot in, in my family is is cooking and like bringing so if we if there was a family event I would find it very hard to let myself off the hook for bringing something that I'd cooked myself you know so you have to bring something you cooked yourself it's not that you have to 
it's not that you have to. This explains so much because we'll, we're all sitting around like scratching ourselves in this house and Ro will say, I am so sorry I didn't cook dinner. And we're like, why should you cook it? <laughs> but now you're telling me that's your family cultural hook. It's hard to let myself off the hook for, for wow. cooking. Yeah. And it's hard for me to let myself off the hook for writing. Yeah. You know, my family was, my father was a professor. He was always working on a book and yeah. And so I guess it's like, what we the rule is we can let ourselves off the hook as long as it's it's the hooks that co- our culture sees as unimportant right yeah you you were giving yourself a hard time for not getting the writing done and i was like wow i would have no trouble letting myself off the hook for that with everything else that we have going on if i were you but you said i have a really really hard time letting myself off the hook Yeah. And especially for writing, because it's the hardest thing. And I have told myself that is the core of everything I do. And I must. And I realized we have different places where we keep ourselves on various hooks. And it kind of depends on our socialization and what we have come to believe. And then I said to you, what does this even mean? Like, which hook? What are we talking about? (laughs) Yeah. And all I could think of, it gets a bit grisly here, um, but all I could think of were like butcher's hooks. And that and it felt very violent and it is very look butchery is a violent profession no offense butchers they know okay (laughs) (laughs) they do know it (laughs) um so we had to we in the end we had to google it we googled it we asked the divine google and the divine google did say it was all about fishing and we said of course google how could we have been such fools? It's so obvious now. Yeah. And so we were. We are all like fish hooked by our lip to, to different types of things, right? Like I am hooked to writing in a way that when I try to let myself off the hook, I swear to God, I feel like I'm tearing my face off. <laughs> <laughs> but I still want to do it. Also I, a violent image. Yes. There are a lot. Of, that's the thing. There's a lot of violence when you start putting yourself on hooks. Yeah, and it's so funny because there can't actually be, okay, we're going pretty deep into the metaphor here, but there can't actually be a barb on that writing hook or it, or I wouldn't find it so easy to let myself off. Well, so yours. the barb is the like where we're like hooked by the culture, ah, right? Ah, very mm. good. The culture barb on the fish hook of your tasks. This is completely <laughs> clear to everyone. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. And different, we get differentially hooked by different things depending on our socialized fears because if we were going with our nature and we're trying to get away from culture and back to nature um everything would be equally easy to let ourselves off the hook for she said ending the sentence with a preposition so we're sitting around talking about the feeling of the hooks and how we get pulled and snagged and i was reminded of a book by Pema Chodron, who is a Tibetan Buddhist nun. And she actually writes this whole book around a a feeling or a sensation called Shempa, Hmm. which I guess in Tibetan Buddhism means the feeling of a hook in your skin. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're sitting meditating and you're calm, you're calm, and then something hooks you. Oh, yeah. And you're not calm anymore. Oh, I know that. So the whole... The whole idea from that book is you get yourself off all the hooks. And I was like, okay, when we first had this discussion, I was like, yeah, let's let ourselves off all the hooks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And then I was like, but oh my God, if I let myself off all these hooks, I won't get anything done ever. I will, I will do absolutely nothing. I will um, atrophy in all my muscles for I will never move. (laughs) You know, I really thought if I'm not on some kind of a hook, there's nothing to hold me up. There's nothing to motivate me. There's nothing to make me do absolutely anything. And so I will not, I will simply cease to exist or something. Hmm. I was living by the feeling of the hooks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think often we're on so many cultural hooks that we don't even realize that we could be motivated by anything else. Yes. Or, or we start to think of the hook itself as, as safety or as security. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing that's pulling us along through our lives. If we don't have the hooks, oh no. And every culture supports that. If you don't have the threat of punishment, if you don't have the sting of that mental thing saying, believe us and do what we want you to, mm-hmm. if you don't have that, you will go to complete disaster. Yeah. You will yeah. be outcast. I mean, when I left the Mormon church, someone literally came to my door and said, they will find your bloated body in a gutter. And it will have a fish hook in its lips. Absolutely. No, Sorry, she, I shouldn't make jokes about your terrible. death threats. She was genuinely worried about me not having all the hooks of, of that religion. Mm-hmm. She genuinely thought I was just, not only would I go to hell, that that's a done deal, but um, <laughs> she, oh, yeah, look at the way I'm living now. Yeah. But she literally thought my life would end in tragedy within weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and it didn't. Not so far. Let's see. That was uh, 20 years ago. It could happen any minute. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, if I don't have my hook in my flesh, my kids will die. I'll just let them die. Yeah. I'll be homeless. I won't work. I won't work. That's a big one. I won't work at all. I won't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. No, it's so interesting that, and and the visual of the hook really works as well, because you start to feel it as the hook's, uh, progress the hooks and momentum you're being pulled through the river of your own life mm-hmm. by the hooks of culture yeah They're thank de- you hook it's making me move yeah, yeah yeah and it's it's your momentum it's your dependability it's your consistency it's what makes you show up and then you find yourself on 20 million hooks all pulling different directions and you kind of go why am i so unhappy yeah you get to the place we got to when we decided to make this episode it's like oh, i don't even know how to cope anymore <laughs> When I have a question I can't answer, I go and I sit by myself and I sort of, you know, I, I sort of wash my mind clear and then mm-hmm. I watch the pictures that come up okay. and it's, it's interesting. It's like this little world that happens inside. And I sat down with this question and I immediately saw a river and a, a sort of murky figure with a big fishing pole. And I was this fish on this hook and I was, I saw that I was biting the hook as hard as I could saying, please don't let me go. Please don't let me go. Oh my God. That's so interesting. Because I'd been so conditioned to believe that the fish and the line and the fishermen were the one thing supporting me. And I actually had the thought, if I let go of this hook, what will support me? And then I swear to God, it was like, I felt myself drenched in water. I felt like I was suddenly splashed into cold water and then I felt myself lifted and the sentence came into my mind the river will support me oh my god wow it was very powerful I love that it's powerful just hearing about it so so we think it's the hook supporting us and it's the river it's always the river yeah and you know we talked about this after I had my little vision Mm. about 
what are the times when we've let ourselves let ourselves off the hook and the river did lift us, but we just didn't notice because we're socialized to only look at the hook and never at the river. Yeah, right. And I do think, you know, that that getting away from people makes it always makes it easier to, you know, that the hook is less powerful as as you um, get away from all the people reinforcing it. And so I think for us, you know, often it was when we spent enough time, even the pandemic, you know, yeah. spending enough time in our own little weird world, um, you know, we it, it got easier and easier to trust the river. Yeah. Well, and when we, we were sort of living on this ranch in the mountains away from people and stopped being so culturally shaped i don't mm. think you and i would be together making this podcast right now if we'd been listening to the cultural hooks yeah we yeah, were just away and not everybody has the opportunity to get away you know to a, to the geographically <laughs> but i just went in the other room sat down and cleared my mind and things start to come in to support you so well culture is people hmm. culture is language you know these are the places where culture kind of lives isn't it yeah it lives in words and it lives in people so if you can't get away from people oh you poor thing and if you can't get away well you can get away from language that's, that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> sit quietly there we go but it's interesting because one thing that really stands out to me about a time you let yourself off the hook you went to Ireland, what, on a grant to write a novel? Or were you just doing a doctorate uh, and you were going to write this Irish-based novel? Yeah, That's right, yeah. Yeah, so you went off and you wrote this highly literary novel. Uh -huh. But at the same time, you wrote a daily blog post. Yeah. And your blog post was hilarious. Yeah. And had me just, like, riveted. So I read the novel and it was very, very Dreary. intelligent. <laughs> now, it was very intelligent, very literary. Serious, dense. And then I read what you wrote on the blog post when you were off the hook. Mm. And it was funny and it was lively and it was full of animals and images mm. and it was your personality. Yeah. And I just went to you and said, I love your writing skill. I see how hard you're trying. <laughs> You're fabulous. You're trying very hard. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to give context to that because that is one of the funniest lines that has sort of entered our... Do you mind if we press pause on the story for a second? Because Oh, go for it. This is hilarious, we have... especially in light of the whole how to socialize your child thing. Right, no kidding. So um, we had our friend Liz staying with us when we were at the ranch mm -hmm. and she said her, her stomach was upset or something and she was like, do you just have any just like noodles and butter is what she wanted yeah and we were both marty and i were both following a ketogenic diet and what i had was this this fake pasta made out of some kind of japanese mushroom fungus always mushroom back to the fungus i'm wow. telling you it's the root of everything so um i said to her it's not exactly like pasta but it's been seven years since i ate pasta so it's probably you know my memory is that it's pretty close and do you remember what she said? When I she took two bites of this fungus pasta and she said, Rowie, I love you very much. And I see how hard you tried <laughs> to make me something palatable. And then she threw up. She said, I won't be eating it. I thank you. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, sorry, sorry. No, back to the whole point which is you were trying very hard on the novel you were on the hook for literary yeah. fiction you yep. were in the academe and all that yes and then you just wrote a blog post to unwind let yourself off the hook and what happened is that the river took you that's right and 
Then when you rewrote the novel in the voice of the blog post, that's the novel that got you an agent. And, and, the, and that's right. And that, that's such a great example because the hook in that case was absolutely academic, the academic world, which yeah. has such a nasty hook a lot of the time. And, and there's that sense of trying to be impressive. For me anyway, you know, there was a sense oh, of God, yes. being serious and respectful, respectable and, and impressive. And, yeah, and, and that wasn't. No, that was not the river. <laughs> it's never the thing. So when you feel the hook, when you feel the hook in your jaw, when you feel it on your skin, when you feel shempa, like it feels as if nothing else will support you but the hook. But if you let go, I mean, I what I'd really like to challenge our listeners to do is remember yeah. or look for your in your life or in yourself for a place where you feel on the hook and you feel like letting yourself off the hook would be terrifying. Mm. And then you don't have to do it. But remember a time, and this will be harder because you will not have paid much attention to it because you're not socialized to pay attention to this. But remember a time you let yourself off the hook and you just were goofing off or whatever and you felt something pick you up and support you and things got easier and things flowed and you connected with people and you made things because it was your true nature. And I think as we learn to recognize that it's a hook, that it's culture, the more we can name it and yeah. see it, it loses its power every time and it's oh. so much easier to let ourselves off as we as we know what we're dealing with. Yeah. So when you feel the hook, find the river. That's, oh, yeah. that's kind of the message of the day. And as always, stay, stay wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. For more of us, Martha's on Instagram, the Martha Beck. She's on Facebook, the Martha Beck. And she's on Twitter, Martha Beck. Her website is MarthaBeck.com. And me, I too am on Instagram, Rowan underscore Mangan. I'm on Facebook as Rowan Mangan. And I'm on Twitter as Rowan Mangan. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think and the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way. <laughs>